Welcome to the Pirate Parent Podcast. Hey there, Courtney. Hello, Jennifer. Did I get it? Yes. (laughs) Like I didn't even give you the two. I know. I got it. I'm on top of it. You were like reading my mind. I know. It's kind of scary. I think that's jog down the hall in your 14-inch heels really got your blood pumping through your brain. You missed it. I was pretty out of breath when I started this podcast this morning. (laughs) These heels were really tall today. (laughs) You were really like, I heard you coming. I was like, whoa, listen to her go. And then you came in. You were. It was a workout. (laughs) Well, you got your steps in. I did. Do you get extra steps if you have high heels? I kind of feel like you should because it's about double the effort. And in these heels, it's probably triple the effort. Let's do a a little test with some Fitbits. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and see if you're on your tiptoes if you actually get more work in. Yeah, you go for that. I don't think it's going to give you more steps, but it probably does. It's probably a better workout. I, I think it is. I know it is. If we have any podiatrists as parents out there, would you <laughs> please don't call, judge? <laughs> call in, and we don't actually have a call in, but let us know how bad that is for Callie's feet because I'm a little nervous about your arches later on in life. I know. I okay. know. Well, yeah, you got it. So my my son is super into Friends right now. Did, I, they, did they do a reboot of Friends? I'm really out of it. Or are they just showing the old episodes? Oh, it's the, the old episodes. Okay. There's no – if it was new, I'd be all in. Okay. But literally every night we watch five episodes Aww. of Friends. And we've gone through the entire – what is it, like 11 years? I don't know. Yeah, a lot of years. Um, like three times. And all the haircuts, the Jennifer oh, yeah. and haircuts. Yep, yep. It's crazy. <laughs> and it's kind of funny to me that our kids are watching like things that we used to watch again. Yeah. So I do think that um, there's, there's some bonding opportunities there for her parents. Although I'm watching it and I'm thinking, I wonder if I thought this was inappropriate then. No, <laughs> I probably didn't because I was in college. You were probably still a baby when it was. No, I was probably high school, maybe. Oh. Um, did you ever do any of the haircuts Well, from I from the show? I, I am doing it right now. I have Jennifer. <laughs> Which one are you doing? <laughs> you, you don't recognize it? It's Ross's. <laughs> no, I tried I one of the Jennifer Aniston haircuts one time in high school. It did not turn out. It looked nothing like her. <laughs> so. I know. I still take uh, pictures of people like Jennifer Aniston to my hairdresser. It's like it's magically going to turn me into that person when I, I go. It's, it's super disappointing. <laughs> Although my, my hairdresser, that's an old term, isn't it? My hairstylist. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, does a great job. Yep. I just am fully disappointed in my face also when I'm transformed <laughs> into Jennifer Aniston. She does a good job. Today we have with us our super fantastic superintendent. He is the big cheese of our district. We are excited to have him here today, Dr. Mike Reich. Yes, Dr. Mike Reich is our superintendent of the Platte County R3 School District. He is in charge of so many different things, but um, he's kind of a mythical figure, at times, because I think when you get into a role like superintendent, you become um, the governing body of our school district that works very closely with our school board. He goes to Jeff City a lot for legislative work. Um, He's working on the the 50,000 foot view of our school district. And, um, And it's a job that I don't think many people really probably understand. Because if you're in a small school district, the superintendent may also be your principal. Um, if you're in a huge district, you may never see the superintendent. And so um, so it's kind of a unique position, and I'm anxious to hear all of the great things that are getting ready to come. He is really um, 
spearheading our what the future of Platte County School District is going to look like over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And he has um, some insights that will be pretty exciting, I think, for our listeners. I'm really looking forward to having him speak with us today about what the future of Platte County will look like. Um, we have such an exciting future ahead, and I can't wait to hear more information from him. Super. So stay tuned for Dr. Mike Reich. Dr. Reich, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for answering Zoe's questions. And um, we'd love to have you in our building. So thanks for being here. You bet. I always like coming to Seagrest. We are excited to share with our community a little bit about what you do. Because in our intro, we were talking about how you're kind of a mythical um, person in our district. And let me explain that so that you don't think it's insulting. (laughs) Um, Because it might sound a little insulting. Uh, The fact that you have your oversight is, um, is... something that a lot of people don't understand. Like you're at, you're working on legislation. You're working on the 50,000 foot view of our school district. You're planning for years to come and also then trying to be in the buildings and, and in the moment. So it's a, it's a taxing job, but I also think it's really important for people to hear about what is, what does the future of Platte County look like? What does um, the future of education look like? So talk to us a little bit about kind of your, a, a day in the life of Mike Reich first. Well, that's a good question, and and I don't take any offense to it because it is true. Um, I always say that I live five to ten years into the future um, in in my professional life, and the district needs me to do that. Um, But I also have to be engaged in what's going on now uh, as much as possible. So, um, you know, to describe a typical day would be – it just depends on the day, but – what I do with my time, I spend a lot of time in meetings outside the district. Um, I work a lot with the Economic Development Council, uh, the chambers. Um, I'm, I'm constantly working on uh, uh, collaborative efforts with other districts. Um, I'm, I'm on the board of the Cooperating School Districts of Greater Kansas City, so I spend a lot of time uh, with them. Uh, obviously, that's beneficial to the district uh, because I'm at the table and I'm advocating for a, a direction uh, uh, throughout the city that is beneficial to Platte County School District. And so that just th- those are some examples of some things that I'm engaged in. Um, I try to make sure that I am at the table and uh, I, I joke and I say sometimes um, if if you're not at the table, you may be on the menu. And so I want <laughs> to make an interesting sure analogy. I that think. I I'm think that's always a, at the table. Um, you know, I think this district deserves to have a, a voice uh, across the, the metro uh, when it comes to, um, you know, future development and growth and, and, and that sort of thing. So, so I'm there um, and, and I spent a lot of time doing that. So let's break this um, discussion up into kind of two components. What does the future of Platte County School District look like? And then what does the future of education. So think about your role as, excuse me, a leader in legislation and kind of what's happening at the state level. Um, and then also let's talk about kind of what's happening for our, our school district coming forward. And and I know that you always share with the administrative group things that are happening and it's pretty exciting. So what, you know, what's going on in for the next five to 10 years in Platte County? Sure. Um, well, very exciting place to be. Um, and uh, I'm clearly biased, but, um, you know, I talk a lot about, uh, when, when I talk about our growth and, and that really is in, in one word, 
uh, what I can say and describe it would be like in the next five to 10 years, we will continue to grow. Growth and you mean houses and enrollment and businesses and I mean, res- financially res- tax, tax dollars? Absolutely. All all, all of the above, uh, residential growth, commercial growth, uh, and we will also uh, continue to see our tax base grow uh, along with our, our enrollment, which is good. Um, you, you want your tax base to grow proportionate to your enrollment growth. And if you do that, then you're not in a position where you have to ask taxpayers to consider a tax increase. And that's where we are right now. Um, we are uh, we are experiencing nice growth that is actually currently outpacing uh, our we're currently experiencing nice growth in our tax base that is outpacing our growth in our enrollment. That is the opposite of what what happened during the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. During the Great Recession, our enrollment growth was outpacing our tax base growth. Um, so we're in a good position right now and for the foreseeable future uh, because of that growth uh, in our tax base. So, um, you know, the area that's really driving uh, our future Future potential is uh, an area that is uh, re- referred to as Twin Creeks, KC. Um, Where is that located for those folks so, who don't? Yeah, the, the, the location, uh, the crossroads would be uh, 152 Highway and Platt Purchase. So north of the highway, um, north of Pathfinder, if you are familiar with where Pathfinder yeah, and absolutely. Costco and Barry are. Due north of Pathfinder, and uh, it would be on the west side of Platt Purchase. So that northwest quadrant mm-hmm. of 152 and Platt Purchase is um, what I have referred to as the epicenter of future Kansas City North growth and development. It's an area where, uh, oh, geez, about uh, seven or eight years ago now, don't uh, hold me to that, um, but the city of Kansas City invested in sewer infrastructure in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so because of the, uh, in order for areas to grow, you have to have infrastructure, roads, uh, sewer, utility. And, and and so that that area was lacking uh, gravity-fed sewers. And they installed those sewers. And that is why this area is now uh, growing and developing. So that public investment is being followed by private investment. So and it uh, sounds like a great partnership for everybody. So I don't know that everybody realizes yeah. that partnership between city munis- municipalities, um, counties, schools, mm-hmm. um, and private developers. Because I think that everybody thinks that things just happen when a developer decides they're going in. I do, at least. I'm an educator. I don't think about that sort of thing. So you, you know, there there was a time when that it did happen that simply, but. Now you're seeing more of these multi-use developments, and and so uh, they're typically a public-private partnership. And yes, that area in particular, that is uh, the people that are at the table, if, if I can use the expression I used uh, moments ago, uh, the, the people that are at the table are the city of Kansas City, uh, the Platte County Economic Development Council, uh, Platte County School District, uh, MD Management, uh, who is the landowner. And, uh, and so, uh, and, and others, but, uh, just an idea of some of the people and the, the varied position that they come from, uh, working together to try to, to, to try to develop this area and, and, and do so positively. So we are, when we're a leader in me school, so we always are looking for win-win situations. And so talk to me about all those components at the table, those people at the table, how do they all win in this situation? Yeah, this is, uh, this is a good 
example of a win-win. In fact, I've, I'm not sure if two wins is really uh, enough. It might be a win, 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 win. It really is. It's especially so for Platte County school district. So I, I probably should back up and mention that, uh, that we are a landowner uh, in that quadrant. Uh, we own 80 acres currently that was given to us by MD management. And so that was a win. This is also in a TIF district, which is, I won't get into uh, technicalities here, but basically a TIF district is uh, an area where some of the taxes are set aside to build infrastructure. And sometimes school districts don't like TIFs. Um, but because you're not getting direct tax because monies because, off of them. Because they're recapturing some of our tax dollars. Okay. Um, in this case, the, the only taxes that are used are sales taxes and, uh, well, economic activity taxes. So they're non-property uh, taxes. Which we wouldn't get sales tax. We don't revenue. get any of I that. I think that's, most people don't know this information. No, no. Yeah, so we don't get sales tax But the property revenue. tax is completely uh, paid as if it were on the tax rolls, just like any other property. So um, that was a win for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then all, in addition, the TIF district will build infrastructure in that area that we will benefit from as well. And so that was a win-win-win. Um, but MD Management, they have a, a, a huge residential interest in this area. Um, they are the developer for Fountain Hills, and they are will be a developer for some future residential property in that area. So it's in their interest to uh, make way for some schools. Um, and lights just went off. That was because <laughs> we're really concerned about. Um, saving electricity here because we're eco-friendly school that, district. Yes, the motions we're, we're not moving, so the motion sensor didn't. didn't <laughs> yes, <turn back> on. <laughs> another way that we're fiscally responsible. <laughs> we're just sitting here. Uh, so uh, where was I? So M- MD has an interest in so uh, making way for the school district and giving us property. Um, that was uh, a win for them because they are ultimately uh, hoping to develop substantial uh, residential property in the area, along with commercial. Um, and so, so this this makes sense for them. The city of Kansas City um, is. Uh, uh, they're they're considering uh, building this. Uh, uh, 12 field soccer complex. I read about that in one of the local papers. Yes, it would be the largest artificial turf complex in the metro. And anybody who has kids that play competitive soccer in the Northland knows that <laughs> you make the long drive. Yeah, you make a yep. lot, you put a lot of miles in your car uh, going, driving to soccer fields and uh, Swope Park and, and Overland uh, Park. Overland and, Park and, mm-hmm. and, and so uh, this is a huge development for the Northland. Um, and obviously the city of Kansas City would benefit from this because when you have 12, uh, Uh, artificial turf, Uh, when you have a world-class soccer facility like this, you're going to draw a lot of people. It's estimated that this field would draw somewhere around 70,000 fans and players to the area uh, per year. And when they do that, they spend all day there and they Mm -hmm. go and spend money at... uh, at uh, the retail development that that uh, will will ensue around that area, and so that just means more economic activity taxes uh, for the city of Kansas City. So it's a, it's an area that um, will be a huge revenue generator for the city of Kansas City, and obviously the city of Kansas City is interested in having the necessary revenue for all of the city services across uh, the entire region. So it's a win 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 win. It is. And I think um, for folks who are, our last week's podcast involved um, 
our PTA president and also our communications director, where we were talking about how um, this is such a tight community. Um, you know, our families that are Platte County families are pretty tight and they, they um, work together, they live together, they play together, their kids are on the same teams. So I think a lot of people get nervous about growth because they think, now we're not going to have that, um, that camaraderie, that, you know, that feel of a small community. And so what do you say to folks who get worried about that? Well, that's a tough question that I have to answer uh, frequently. And, uh, you know, what, what I would say is that as long as the district can influence that community feel and environment, mm-hmm. we will do our very best to, to maintain that feel. Um you know, many people chose Platte County School District because we do have that smaller town feel, but we have the bigger suburban school, school district amenities. And so we will try to maintain that as long as we can. But here's the reality. People are moving to Platte County School District because they're moving out of the city because they want a smaller school district. People are moving out of the rural areas uh, of Missouri into Platte County School District because they want a larger school district. And they're all choosing us for particular reasons. But as long as they continue to choose us, we will continue to grow. And so, um, you know, our charge is not necessarily to, and we certainly want to maintain that community feel, but we want to make sure that we cultivate our growth and development in a positive way and embrace that growth and development. If we don't, if we are a district that attempts to fight growth and development, then we won't grow in a way that will be beneficial to our community overall. And so, um, you know, my my advice or my uh, admonition to anybody that is thinking about uh, our growth and is nervous about it, I say embrace it um, and let's let's grow and develop together and let's do so responsibly. Because when you're not growing, you're just standing still, you're stagnant, and I, d- I just don't know of a single thing that that works out well for if we're not moving in the right directions, um, forward, upward, whatever that we're going to, um, there are a lot of school districts in the state of Missouri that are, um, getting smaller Mm -hmm. and people are moving away from, and that makes educating kids in those school districts so much more difficult. And so, um, I'm always very excited about the growth because I think that brings lots of opportunities for improvement for all of us, which is fantastic. Agreed. And, you know, those, those districts that are getting smaller, they are having a tougher time trying to find opportunities for their students. And when you are in a district like Black County where we're growing, we continue to have the, the more growth that we have, the more efficient we become. And we are uh, able to provide opportunities and experiences for our kids that would not be possible if we were in a district that was uh, small or getting smaller. Mm-hmm. So it's a good time to be a pirate. Absolutely. Um, Talk to us a little bit about education in general at the state level. Well, you know, I think uh, education in general at the state level is uh, is is changing and evolving, um, maybe not as quickly as it it should. Um, You know, government doesn't typically move quickly. Um, There's lots of layers and and bureaucracy involved in making changes. But I do see some changes um, and some signs of changes. Uh, In particular, I, I think we will see some movement away from such focus on standardized testing. Uh, no, in, I don't know. Is there a, like an app for innovation? <laughs> the applause. I need, like a, I need <laughs> applause, applause. Yeah, an applause button. It, 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 it is a good thing, um, and it's long overdue. Um, 
first of all, I need to say I, I made that comment, but I, I also believe in accountability. Yes. So, um, you know, if we didn't have any accountability to anyone over what we were doing with our kids here, then, um, then that would not be right either. So I joke about not having so much emphasis on standardized testing, but the reality of it is, is we need to have ownership and, and accountability to um, our responsibilities of, as educators. So I recognize that too. Yeah. I just know that there's just a completely different weight on standardized testing that doesn't exactly um, honor what's happening every day in the classrooms and the learning that happens every day. So I, I do think um, there's a place for it. Absolutely. And as, as you guys are aware, you know, our principles of learning are centered around giving kids timely feedback. And, and so I, I'm not against testing in general, and I'm not against standardized testing, but I am against high stakes standardized testing. I don't, I feel like it's counterproductive. Um, so it lands right on the shoulders of our, our kids and our teachers. It does. And in, in a quality school district, we already have metrics in place to make sure that our kids are growing and they're growing appropriately. Um, and so I, I agree with the accountability piece, but I think that we, that can be done locally um, to, to a larger degree uh, and, and uh, less focus can be placed on those high stakes end of year, uh, what I call autopsy assessments. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's too much and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm glad to see that dialing back. What I think the state will start to focus more on is real world learning and authentic experiences for our young people. Um, and talk to us for a second about the importance of that as students are going through sure. school and then on to careers, um, what that looks like. Sure. Um, you, you know, not to downplay the importance of, you know, the things that we were taught uh, when we were, we were in school, um, you know, the, the content areas and, and certainly our history. Um, well, if you, you don't know, want to downplay it, we'll use it as an outtake and we'll do a, the 50 states capitals test at the end. Ooh, I'm pretty good at capitals. Ugh. All right. We won't do that then. <laughs> Um, so, you know, obviously reading, writing, arithmetic, mm -hmm. the old three R's, uh, those are, those are important things, but ha having the ability to have that taught in a, in a more authentic uh, way, uh, and having kids discover that learning through real world experiences, um, we know through research is beneficial. Um, but when you have a high stakes standardized uh, assessment, it tends to curb the, our ability as a district or as a, as a building or as a teacher in the classroom to have those real world learning experiences. And because you can't test those sorts of things. You can't typically on a traditional, everybody in the state gets the rollout the same week yes. type and of test. And, and that's what's so important is those experiences are not only about the content that's being taught, but it's about the process of learning. And it's about the soft skills that students are developing as they engage in these real world experiences. So, um, you know, what, what I hear from employers overwhelmingly, and again, I'm at the table a lot. So I, I have a monthly, or a, I'm sorry, a quarterly luncheon with CEOs in Platte County. Uh, these are CEOs of uh, of our major employers in Platte County. And what I'm hearing from them is not necessarily that kids don't know how to do math or don't know how to read. What I'm hearing from them is they want kids that they want employees that will be on time. They want employees that can be, participate and be a functioning member of, of a team. They want employees that can problem solve. Resilient, probably. They want employees that are resilient. They want employees that have good character. 
And so these are things that we are, that take a backseat in a high stakes uh, standardized testing environment. And so we need to do a better job. And I think our state leaders and even our state legislature is starting to understand that. Um, And so I do see some changes coming uh, that would be positive. Fantastic. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you to Zoe. Thank you, Dr. Reich, for being here today yes, and sharing. It's a great conversation to share about the future of Platte County Schools. It, it is my favorite thing to talk about, and I love uh, visiting Seagrist, and uh, I, uh, I will be back. Fantastic. Well, Callie, take it away. It's always a great day to be a pirate. Hey, thanks for coming, Dr. Reich. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. What is the most, um, what, what are you most nervous about about beginning a podcast? Oh, you know, just being recorded mm-hmm. and, you know, I work with adults all the time, but now I have a student here and that kind of makes me a little bit nervous, a little bit. <laughs> Zoe Woods is our visiting podcaster and she's going to be um, sharing some questions in just a few minutes. So she's sitting here with us as well. We're going to start off by sharing our Pirate Pride moment. Um, Callie, do you know what you're going to share today? I do. And I'm going to cheat a little bit with this. Pirate Pride moments, um, typically we reflect back on what the last week has looked like. Um, But I'm going to actually look ahead for an event that's coming up this week. Our Trunk or Treat event, it's our second annual Trunk or Treat event that will be this Thursday evening from 5 to 7 at Seagrist. That is an event that our Party Planners Innovation Team helps to support. They work with parents and community members around Platte City to pull together and provide a fantastic and safe night for kids to to be able to go around, get candy, dress up in their costumes. And it's a really fun night for everyone. I'm looking forward to that. Do you have any hints for anybody that's coming? Parking's kind of a challenge. So Parking can be a challenge, um, but the parking lot in front of Seagrist is always available that night. Um, Also, the high school parking lots are free as well. We just block off the bus parking lot and the one right next to the bus parking lot. Um, Dressing in their costume, again, bringing something to hold their candy in. That's something that I think we underestimated the amount of candy that we would give out last year. So there were a lot of kids that had armfuls of candy. So bringing something to carry their candy candy in would be very helpful. Last year, I think a lot of people didn't know too, that there's kind of a line so that you can just go through in a single file line. And so be looking for a line. I'm not sure if that's going to happen again this year, but it does make things go a little smoother so that you're not crossing over people. Yes, and we have lots of teachers that are participating as well. So you'll have to check out all the costumes for the people that are providing the trunks and try to find which teachers are where. Ooh, do you want to give us a hint about the office one this year? The office one. We are having a night under the stars is our theme this year. And I'm going to leave it at that. Sounds exciting. (laughs) Dr. Reck, what's your Pirate Pride moment? I have two. I'm going to cheat also. Uh, With the last week, uh, I don't recall exactly what day it was, but uh, we had a, uh, a U.S. congressman here, uh, Congressman Sam Graves. Uh, he came and visited. He wanted to see the things that are happening at our Northland Career Center. And uh, we had a nice tour and we're, we were able to talk about things that uh, are challenges for uh, for school districts, especially in the uh, uh, career and technical education field. And uh, just had a, had a nice visit with him. And so that was, I was, I was proud that he chose to, to come and visit. Uh, and and uh, I definitely think he, he left uh, very impressed with what we do at the Career Center. I also want to say that I went around to uh, a couple of, I made a couple stops yesterday at different uh, places as we were engaging district-wide in professional development and saw some really good conversations that were going on. Um, 
I, I saw some conversations around our, uh, our, our state assessment uh, scores and looking at that data and tr- really diving in to find out what uh, where we were strong and where we needed to work on some things. So um, good discussions there. Uh, I, I popped in on, uh, on our elementary school teachers and, and uh, saw some conversation about, uh, uh, about our, our curriculum. And, uh, and so just overall, I was really encouraged to see some good hearty discussions about how we can get better. So um, those are my two pride points. Well, you stole mine, so I'm going to just elaborate <laughs> on it. My Pirate Pride moment this week was um, also sent around our PD day. And I think families um, who send their kids to us every day, and then we have this, these periodic breaks where kids are not in school, always kind of wonder what's happening. And so I think it's important to share that yesterday I was extremely prideful about the conversations we were having um, about trauma and um, adolescent um, trauma and adversity of our children um, in our lives and and who what they're coming to our classrooms with mm-hmm. and how we can better embrace those experiences. I was really proud of our school social workers who presented that information. And I was extremely proud of um, our participants who then spent a lot of time reflecting on how they can implement that in their classroom for every child, because we don't know everybody's background. We're not doing a survey on them to find out what kind of traumatic events have happened. We should be treating everyone with these same strategies um, because they're great for everybody. And so I was really proud about that. That's awesome. Great. Zoe. Zoe Wood, Zoe Wood. She is our visiting podcaster today. Zoe, get closer to the microphone because you are um, a beautiful, intelligent third grade girl at Seagrest. Who's your teacher? Miss Kirshner. Miss Kirshner. And I know that you've been working on these questions and thank you to your mom for working with you a little bit on these questions. She had a whole list of questions and she had to pare it down to five. So we went to the questions she liked the best. Okay. So Zoe, why don't you take it away? You want to start with your first question for Dr. Reich? Um... You can even hear her turning the pages. That is the cutest little book that you have where you have the questions written. Thank you. Very flowery. (laughs) How many years of college does it take to get a job like this one? Like my job? Uh, (laughs) Okay, Dr. Reich, let's be really clear. Concentrated, like if you just went from day one to day two, (laughs) efforts. Okay, so let's see. It would take, you need a bachelor's degree, which takes four years for some people. (laughs) Uh, Master's degree typically takes two years. And then a doctorate typically takes three years. I shouldn't say typically. If you were to go through and do all of those, you, that would be the best that you can do generally. So four, what's, what, I'm going to ask you a question now. What's four plus two plus three? Nine. Nine years. Well, I can't well, stop her this morning. No, no kidding. Because <laughs> I actually was thinking in my head and she beat me to it. So I'm glad we're doing a fluency math test right now. <laughs> she beat me to that. She nailed it. But it, it took me longer than that. I didn't write my dissertation right away for my doctoral program. So I took a little bit of time off. But And that's typical. A lot of people do that um, because they have real lives and they get busy with their kids and their jobs and all that kind of stuff. So it took me a little bit longer than that. But I was in college for a long time. Uh, were you a teacher before you got this job? Yes. 
What grade or subject did you teach? I want I want you to guess, Zoe. Can you guess? <laughs> oh, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to yeah, see what you see. guess. Math? Math? Mm, yes, I did teach math, but I also taught other things. Why don't you guess what grade he taught? Do you think he was a high school teacher or do you think he was an elementary or a middle school teacher? Let's start there. Middle school. Middle school. Yes. Is she correct? You are not correct. Ooh. Okay. Would you like to tell us what level and then she can? Yes. I was a I, I was an assistant principal at middle school at one time, but I did not teach at middle school. I taught first and second grade. I taught first graders for <laughs> Her eyes just got wide. two years. And then my uh, last year in Liberty, I taught first and second grade but in the same class. I had a multi-age uh, class that year. But, but... I also, and I have a hard time believing this now sitting here, um, but when I was in Peoria, Illinois, before I moved to Kansas City, I taught art and music. What? Both art and I music. I did not know this. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. There's wow. going to be some outtakes. <laughs> it, uh, it was this a, is new information. It was a real struggle <laughs> because I don't know much about Either neither art nor music. Yeah. Hmm. But I did my <laughs> That's a best. Good choice in hiring. You know, when you need a job, you, you do what you, yep. you do, whatever they'll mm -hmm. hire you to do. And so that's what I did. Art and music. So she's got her eyes are about as big as quarters right now because <laughs> Dr. Reich, if you've never met him, is a very tall person. And I bet you're thinking, whoa, I bet those first and second graders were like staring up at him like, oh boy. Is that why you're thinking that? <laughs> they did for about a half a day, and then they acted just like any other first and second grader. <laughs> okay, what's your next question? Uh, what job did you want as a kid? Ooh, that's a good question. I bet on ice cream truck driver. Ooh. I don't know that I thought of that, but that does sound like a, a desirable occupation. Everybody is happy to see an ice, ice cream are. truck driver, Nobody's but not everybody's necessarily happy to see a superintendent. But most people are. So I, it worked out okay. I would say the job that I wanted most was to be a professional basketball player. Mm, you're you tall know, enough. Sometimes when you're a kid, you think mm -hmm. that you can just anybody can go and do that job, but that's not the way it works. So I wasn't quite tall enough and I wasn't quite good enough, but I did. I really loved playing basketball when I was a kid. Who were your basketball idols? Probably my uh, number one idol was Michael Jordan. Yes. <laughs> I was so hoping you were going to say that. He's I'm, mine too. I'm from North Central Illinois. Yeah. So we're kind of crazy there. I also um, was a big fan of Larry Bird mm -hmm. and I was also a big fan of Magic Johnson. So you were um, obviously a basketball fan when the shorts were um, very short. Very short. Yep. Yes. Un That's kind of Unnecessarily back, short. You're right about that. <laughs> Zoe, next question. Um, what's your favorite subject in school? Hmm. Art or music? <laughs> and <laughs> whichever one you pick, you'll have to do a demonstration yeah, later. For I it. would say definitely not art or music. No offense to our yep. wonderful art and music teachers across the district. Uh, wasn't my thing. Um, I would probably say, uh, at the risk of uh, a theme emerging here, probably PE was my favorite. I was always big into sports, but I would say my favorite academic subject was math. I was always good at math. I still like math, and it's uh, it's a subject that I did pretty well in. Zoe, what's your favorite? 
Uh, other than lunch, I think it would be writing. Lunches. I forgot about lunch. <laughs> writing? You like to write yeah. stories? Or do you like to just, just write about? Uh, we've been writing personal narratives, and mm-hmm. I think those are kind of fun. That is fun. What was your Very favorite good. topic? of? I know it's personal. That's the whole name of it. But what was your favorite topic you've written about in your personal narratives lately? Uh, we've only done one personal narrative, and I wrote mine about adopting my dog. Oh, good topic. Mm-hmm. Zoe, what grade are you? Third. Okay. Yes, my son Grayson just brought a, a story home called My Life. Oh, how short was it? It or was, was it really long? It was pretty long. Nice. I mean, pretty much all of the main stuff was in there. Good for <laughs> it him. Was, it was entertaining. We'll use that as an anchor paper. <laughs> my, nice job. My life. Okay. Do you have, Is this your last one or do you have two more? Uh, this is my last one. Oh, Zoe, it's coming to an end and I don't like that. Go ahead with the last question. Do you have a favorite animal? Favorite animal. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would say that I like dogs the most um, because they're playful and they're loyal. I like loyalty. Loyalty is big with me. Um, I like dogs. But and I, the dogs I like the most would be I love English bulldogs. They're so cute. I love their face. I think they have bad breath. Yeah, they do. Have, well, mm-hmm. all dogs have bad breath. But you have to they? wipe their wrinkles. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I don't have yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> they're a lot uh, of work. <laughs> I like to look at them. Yeah. They're very cute. They're very cute. I like basset hounds. Um, I love those long floppy ears. <laughs> Gotta love the floppy ears. <laughs> they get their ears in their water bowl. It's cute. But that's, again, why I don't have one. Because <laughs> um, they're messy. And I also really like, uh, what is it? Um mm-hmm. Zoe, while he's thinking of that, do you have a favorite animal? Uh, wolves. Why? Yeah. Why do you like wolves? I just think they're very majestic animals. They are. They are quite majestic. Yeah, they are. And they've just, there are a lot of stories written about wolves. There are a lot of a lot movies. Of legends that are out there. Yes, legends. They are majestic. That's a really good choice. And wolves are close relatives to dogs, actually. They are. So you they guys, are. you guys are kind of close relatives. Oh, you have I a thought kinship. my third dog I like oh, okay. was Saint Bernard. Oh, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. they're just so cute. Yeah, and they <laughs> could rescue you. I, if I you're also in a like sloths. Winter accident. My, my son Grayson is yeah. into sloths, and I like them because I like their facial expression. That's just like natural. They're kind of cute. <laughs> it doesn't move. <laughs> they don't move. No. They just really slow. Yeah. Have you They're have you ever gone to a place where you can hold a sloth? No, I have. They uh, the Tanganyika Wildlife Park out past Wichita. Say that again. Tanganyika Wildlife say it Park. Faster. I know I can say it really fast. I know she's, <laughs> she shows off all the time, Doctor Rice, about her good. Yeah, she's it's got in good speech. Topeka. Uh oh gosh, Wichita. I said Wichita. It was. Wichita. Uh, Is it Derby? Gosh, I need to no. think. It's in Gollard. Goddard. Goddard. Goddard, Goddard, Kansas. Goddard. Yes, Goddard, Kansas. And they have a sloth experience where okay. you can pay to go back with a sloth and hold a sloth. I have to go there. <laughs> you do. Um, they're also, they're supposed to, and they may already have, uh, but they were getting a sloth at the Kansas City Zoo. Uh, zoo. Mm-hmm. So, Will you be able to hold it though? Probably not. I don't think so. I think it's just uh, I it's think a, it's a I looking. did hear, but I think it's a really cute. I think they already got it. I feel like I've seen pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Zoe, you have been an outstanding visiting podcaster. Thank you so much for being here. And we're excited to have you back. Okay. 
Thank you. Have a great day. Good job, Zoe.